Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Thursday of the 30th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, Increase our faith, hope, and charity, and make us love what you command, so that we may merit what you promise. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Grow strong in the Lord with the strength of his power. Put God's armour on, so as to be able to resist the devil's tactics. For it is not against human enemies that we have to struggle, but against the sovereignties and the powers who originate the darkness in this world, the spiritual army of evil in the heavens. That is why you must rely on God's armour, or you will not be able to put up any resistance when the worst happens, or have enough resources to hold your ground. So stand your ground with truth buckled round your waist and integrity for a breastplate, wearing for shoes on your feet the eagerness to spread the gospel of peace and always carrying the shield of faith so that you can use it to put out the burning arrows of the evil one. And then you must accept salvation from God to be your helmet and receive the word of God from the Spirit to use as a sword. Pray all the time, asking for what you need, praying in the Spirit on every possible occasion. Never get tired of staying awake to pray for all the saints, and pray for me to be given an opportunity to open my mouth and speak without fear and give out the mystery of the gospel, of which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that in proclaiming it, I may speak as boldly as I ought to. The Word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my arms for battle, who prepares my hands for war. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. He is my love, my fortress. He is my stronghold, my saviour, my shield, my place of refuge. He brings peoples under my rule. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. To you, O God, will I sing a new song. 
I will play on the ten-stringed lute to you who give kings their victory, who set David your servant free. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Alleluia, alleluia. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Pharisees came up to Jesus. Go away, they said. Leave this place, because Herod means to kill you. He replied, You may go and give that fox this message. Learn that today and tomorrow I cast out devils, and on the third day attain my end. But for today and tomorrow, and the next day, I must go on, since it would not be right for a prophet to die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets, and stone those who are sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you refused. So be it. Your house will be left to you. Yes, I promise you, you shall not see me till the time comes when you say, Blessings on him who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So if you ever doubted Jesus' courage, read this passage. The Pharisees come up to Jesus and say, hey, look, you've got to get out of here. Herod means to kill you. And then he comes back with this great little line. You go and give that fox this message. Like, you tell him something from me. <laughs> I love it. It's a little bit of a confusing passage, though, because why are the Pharisees coming up and warning Jesus about Herod's murderous intent? Um, I mean, you know, I suppose it was absolutely a real threat. Uh, I mean, look what Herod did to John the Baptist. Um, but why are the Pharisees now coming up and telling Jesus, hey, look, you better look out? Especially when, you know, the Pharisees up until now have always been presented as Jesus' pretty fierce opponents, the ones who seek to trap him, the ones who are having these little plots. Well, some suggest that maybe what the Pharisees are actually trying to do is... Um, Get Jesus to move on. You see, he's on a journey towards Jerusalem. He's heading out of Galilee. He's traveling south. Um, maybe having the threat of Herod on his heels would, would make Jesus go just that little bit quicker. And then, you know, we Pharisees, we can, we can have our place back. We don't need Jesus stirring up the people and exposing our own hypocrisy. So, hey, look, Jesus, um, you, know, you know, Herod's after you, right? Off you go, off you go, off you go. So the Lord comes back with that great little line, you know, tell Herod that fox, give him this message. Learn that today and tomorrow I cast out devils and on the third day attain my end. Well, for starters, isn't it interesting that Jesus tells the Pharisees to give Herod this message? Are they in cahoots? Are they sort of in contact with one another that Jesus says, you give that message? I don't know, it's almost got the feeling of a bit of a conspiracy about it. But, you know, Jesus then goes on to say, hey, there's something bigger than Herod going on here. 
You know, what is he doing? He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he doesn't need Herod's permission to do it. His authority doesn't derive from Herod's power. His authority comes from God. He says, you know, today, tomorrow, I cast out devils, right? You know, the great power on earth, the power of Satan, like that's the one that I'm confronting. You think Herod's a problem? Forget it. But not only that, that the coming of the kingdom of God speaks of God's plan, God's power. That's where his authority derives from. So, you know, I'm not so worried about this bloke who, you know, reigns in Galilee. Come on. I mean, you can see very clearly this sort of reference to Jesus' passion coming up. He talks about today, tomorrow, and then on the third day he attains his end. Um, All of this pointing towards Jerusalem as the place where Jesus accomplishes his mission. So he's in Galilee now. The hour has not yet come. So it doesn't really matter how foxy Herod is. doesn't matter how cunning or how murderous he is. Herod's not the one who can thwart God's plan. And isn't it interesting then as well that when Jesus' passion does come around, that Herod's actually in Jerusalem at the time. And, you know, Pontius Pilate, hearing that Jesus is a Galilean, tries to hand Jesus over to Herod. Look, you know, you deal with him, he's one of yours. Uh, And Herod, in a rather interesting sort of twist, hands him back to Pontius Pilate. No, no, no. Um, It's the authority in Jerusalem that will judge and reject Jesus. And there's the irony, right? Jerusalem, the city of peace. Like, that's what Jerusalem means in Hebrew, right? This was the capital of the people of God. This was the place where the temple should have been the centre, where God was truly at the heart of his people. And yet, that's the place where this rejection is most fully expressed as they reject Jesus and submit him to crucifixion. How strange it is that Jerusalem is the place where prophets are killed. Um, And Jesus points this out, you know, earlier in the gospel. We heard it a little while ago. Jerusalem is the place where the prophets are murdered, (laughs) from Abel to Zechariah. But why is that, though? Why is it that Jerusalem is the place that God has established and yet is the place of the greatest rejection? Well, there's something rebellious in the heart of God's people. There's something that looks towards God as competition. Something that looks towards God as a threat. We're suspicious of him. Maybe the coming of the kingdom of God is in fact the coming of another Herod, another Pontius Pilate, another Caesar. Someone who's coming to oppress, someone who's coming to tax, someone who's coming to take. Now, I think we need to understand this not simply in an historical sense of, you know, well, okay, well, Jerusalem is this particular place where those particular prophets are murdered by these particular people. Um, No, I think it's actually pointing towards a real spiritual reality that's present in our hearts too. That we've got this rebellious streak. Within each one of us is the place where God should dwell. Within each one of us is God's holy temple, his presence. Is this the place where the prophets are murdered? Is this the place where the word that is preached actually goes to die? 
You know, not long ago, we heard uh, someone from the crowd call out, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast you sucked. But Jesus replied, more blessed still is the one who hears the word of God and keeps it. No, life isn't to be found in the rejection of God's kingdom. Life is to be found in the gathering of God's kingdom. And here's the beautiful reality. It's on the third day that Jesus attains his end. It's on the third day that he accomplishes the great work that he's been sent to do. To bring new life. What is Jesus doing? Well, he gives this beautiful picture. To gather his children as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Now that doesn't really sound like Herod or Pilate or Caesar. They're not the ones who gather in order to protect and defend, to nurture and to make grow. No, they're the ones who use the people in order to prop up their own power. And perhaps here you see an interesting contrast then between Jesus, who understands himself as the mother hen gathering her brood, and Herod, who Jesus describes as a fox. We know what foxes do to chickens. Well, in the very work that Jesus is accomplishing, we can see the great plan of God unfolding. And I suppose the question then becomes, right, what do we do about that rebellion then in our hearts? Well, to allow ourselves to be drawn by Jesus under his wings, under his protection. That picture of Jesus as the hen, um, you know, we can see these sort of wings outstretched as that which defends and that which gathers. Doesn't that look like Jesus' arms extended on the cross? So where our hearts might still be divided or suspicious of God, let us look towards Jesus on the cross to see him pouring out his life for us. He's no Herod who comes to kill. No, he's God who's come to lay down his life in order to gather us together, in order to give us life. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, 
and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father. Amen.